Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Today in the hot seat, we have one of my dear friends, fellow fashion designer, stylist, and creative visionary, Andre Emery. How are you doing? Welcome. It's great to be here. It's Thank you. It's such a pleasure. Um, so this is very exciting. And I've mentioned this, you know, a few times today, but you and I have worked together on projects on, you know, with clients for years now, yes, you with wardrobe and me with jewelry. Um, but I don't know your story. So <laughs> that crazy? selfishly, I'm, this episode is actually for me I and everybody so else. Busy. I know. <laughs> This episode is really for me, but everybody else just gets to listen in because I'm so I'm so excited to get to know the person and the story behind the professional that I adore. So this is I'm, this is like Christmas morning Let's for me. Do it. Um, what was little Andre like? Badass kid. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> little Andre. Well, I'm originally from New York, um, the Bronx to be exact. Um, my parents are from Jamaica, so um, I'm 100 percent Jamaican. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So um being raised in the Bronx by Jamaican parents, I mean, they're super strict. Um, you know, I had a curfew mm. <laughs> for sure. Um, I was one of those kids that, you know, would get made fun of because I had to go in early. Um, you know, I was on the honor roll, the principal's list. Mm. You know, I was a good angel, but then again, I was I, I was always around the bad crowd, mm. you know, and um Basically, when I say bad crowd, I mean like older people that I that I looked up to as far as like when it came to fashion, when it came to um, just uh, music or just just watching someone like that I wanted to be like, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know. So I was very um, very uh, inspired by my environments. Mm. Yeah. So um, as a kid. I definitely was into basketball. I was into sports a lot. Were actually. you a good athlete? Yeah, I was. Uh, I believe that. <laughs> in elementary school, I did basketball. Uh, in high school, I did basketball and football. And then my family's Jamaican, so they play soccer. So I'm just mm. like, okay, look, soccer, baseball, basketball, doesn't matter, bring it on. So when, I'm very competitive when it came to sports. Which I'm sure you pull from in yes, your industry now. Definitely. When did the creativity come into play? The creativity came into play when I was 15, actually. Um, this was my, I want to say, sophomore year in high school. And I was in math class, and I had a crush on one of my teachers. But uh, <laughs> she was an art teacher of mine. So basically, I wouldn't go to math class just so I can, like, hang out with my art teacher because I knew that she was on break. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and she loved me, like, as a student, you know. So um I pretty much just like was telling her, look, I'm, I'm really into art. I want to do something with either painting or painting on clothes or something. Cause like, you know, I was always that fly guy of that course. people looked up to, you know? So I wanted to change that. I wanted to make it make sense because I didn't really have money to keep up with fashion, but mm-hmm. I had creativity to make it exciting exciting exactly you know so like let's say i would see someone in a sean john outfit or you know a really cool jacket that i couldn't afford i would just take anything from my closet maybe like take a t-shirt cut up cartoon characters or just cut anything out of this really cool shirt and just glue it onto pants 
mm. shoes, jackets, you know, just to get that. Oh my God, what is that? You know, so that was my thing. So uh, when I was 15, I got sent to Chicago to live with my mother. Um, and then I'm just like, wait, no more New York? Like, what do I do in Chicago? Mm. <laughs> you know, so what I was prompted probably- the move. Just okay, so my parents got divorced. Rewind back. Okay. <laughs> so okay. my parents got divorced when I was about uh 12, 13. Okay. My mom moved to Chicago, so I had to choose where I wanted to stay. Okay. I didn't know anything about the Whitney City at all. So I'm like, you know what? I'm staying in New York. I'm sorry, Mom, but I love you. Love but you. you know what? We're gonna have to communicate from here. Right. So I didn't really understand what that divorce was was about, you know, what was gonna happen after. Um I was just thinking like you know what, how am I going to, like, how am I going to live knowing that my parents are separate? She's in Chicago. I'm in New York, like whatever. So my dad met his wife, right? And then um, I guess what happened was, it's like one of those movies where you like, you meet your stepmother and you're like, fuck this girl. I don't, I don't like her, but she's the coolest. Like, How I love old my- were you? I was about 14. That makes sense. Yeah. I was like, fuck you. Like, you can't tell me nothing. Don't act like you're my mother, blah, blah, blah. So I had these conversations with my mom, like, yo, ma, you know, she's trying to take over my life. Right. Like, and and you're all the way in Chicago. What's going on? Like, this ain't right. Like, you need to fix this. Right. So I would blame it on my parents. So I would just get in trouble, you know, for stupid stuff. And uh, my dad was just like, you know what, bro? I'm sorry, but I think you need your mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you need to sit, have a sit down and talk with your mother. Maybe even stay out there for a while. Right. But I didn't know that he was going to send me to Chicago to, like, start a new life. You know, this was like in the summer, you know, I was just, I was on summer break in New York. And he's like, you know what, just spend some, spend the summertime with your mother. So I go out there and then when it was time to go back to New York, uh, they hit me with the, yo, you're staying. Like, Mm -hmm. this is home now, Chicago, the Windy City. So I had to start everything all over, meet new friends. I even had a girlfriend in New York that I thought I was going to come back home to. I had to end that, you know, I had a best. That's traumatic at 14. Yeah. That's so traumatic. Yeah, so that happened. So now I'm in Chicago, um, on the north side of Chicago, uh, where there's a lot of gangbangers. There's a lot of shit going on that mm-hmm. I didn't even know existed in Chicago, you know? But I did some his I did some research and I'm like, wait, damn, this is about to get grimy. Mm-hmm. You know, like with my mentality and just like bringing that to the table, it's just it was a lot for me. I didn't know how to transition that quick. Right. So ended up going to public school in Chicago. Um, got into a few fights here and there. <laughs> got kicked out of this school. Got kicked out of that school. You know. So um, my mom decided. So four years living in Chicago, um, I decided to during actually, high school. During high school, yeah. So this is my freshman year of high school, mm. right? So I'm in Chicago now. Like, <laughs> it sucks. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I have so much love for Chicago. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, just starting like my freshman, like I was a freshman in New York, but in the middle of my freshman year, I got sent to Chicago. So it was just all bad. Right. So now I'm in Chicago, um, trying to figure it out. You know, I met some friends, but the friends that I met, they're like way older, you know, right. like older dudes, older dudes. These guys are like club promoters, you know, they're introducing me to a new world now, you mm-hmm. know, so I'm going to parties with these guys at like 15, 16. Right. They don't even know that I'm in high school. They don't even know. They don't even. Oh, sorry. They don't even know that 
I work at Steak and Shake and I make milkshakes. <laughs> but do they need to? Like, did they, they need, need to? to? They don't need to, but these guys were like, like guys with, you know, money. They had something going for themselves. Right. Because they were older. It made yeah, sense. Yeah. But they looked up to me like I was one of them. Right. So I felt like I had to get with the shits, you right. know? So, you know, I had to work a nine to five at Steak and Shake, you know, I did my thing. And then um, I would go to parties every other night. You know, luckily my mom trusted me and, you know, so she let me live my life. So I would go to these parties, but I never really had anything to wear mm. because my mom was like, look, I'm not buying you freaking a hundred to like $500 outfits right. to go party in. And like, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. That's fine. So I took whatever I had and made it happen. You know, I would, like I said, cut cartoon characters out of my Lot 29 shirts, my FUBU shirts, my South Pole, Polo, whatever it was. And then I would just, you know, make it look good, you know. Um, so I would present. It'll, it'll, it'll be like a fashion show for me whenever I would go out to parties in Chicago. Sure. Yeah. So people would be like, oh, my God, that's so good. Like, I don't know. So I use that to motivate me to do more. So we want to do more research on how to make clothes, how to sell clothes. If I want to do menswear, if I want to do women's wear, if I want to do uh, streetwear, you know, so. So you was, were a teenager when you were asking yourself, how do I turn this into a career? Yeah, because the mentality that I had, like growing up in New York, it was either, you know, you're in win the, or you're, die. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, I'm in Chicago. I'm not going to die here. So I'm going to have to find out how to win. Right. Right. So right. I took what I knew. I took what I learned and utilized it and try to flip it. And when I say flip it, I mean, like, you know, I, I didn't want to do what other people were doing. I, I wanted to be different. Right. So I had to figure out how I can flip the knowledge that I have and make money long term. And that's when I got sent back to uh, New York. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So fast forward a little bit. <clears throat> My mom didn't want me to finish high school in Chicago because I was in an alternative school with a lot of bad kids, mm. right? So um, at that time, my dad moved to the suburbs of New York, so I was in a different school zone if I went back to New York. Okay. So I finished high school in New York in the suburbs, went to Goshen High School, and uh, when I graduated, <clears throat> I had to go move with my grandmother, which had like seven, she had seven kids living in her house as well. You know, so I'm like, okay. She's like, like a quintessential grandma. Yeah, exactly. With, like with grandkids oh, yes. there as well. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, you know, I was the the, grand, the other grandkid now living there, crashing on the couch, trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I just graduated high school and I'm like, look, I'm not about to end up on the streets like, you know, these other people that I know. Like, I need to change the game. I need them to look at me like, okay, look, there is a way to get out the hood and there is a way to make it happen. Where did that idea come from? Where did that impulse come from? Was I that think, family driven or was that just an internal dialogue? I think that happened when um, just see, just just watching my mom cry every other day, knowing that like I had the potential to be a good kid. I'm a smart kid, but I was just oh, so hard headed. Mm-hmm. I would get in trouble in school. Like, you know, just. just I mean, you went shit. from like top of your class to like yeah, troublemaker. Exactly. In, in a moment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just like snap a finger. <laughs> so just seeing like, you know, the hardship that I put my mom through, that I put my dad through for him to be like, yo, bro, I can't even, I can't even live my life with my wife. I can't even be happy because, you know, I was a problem child. And yeah, mm. I was. I was doing that on purpose a little bit, I think, you know, just to get back. Like, look, I'm not happy. So you're not about to be happy either. Fair. Right. Yeah. So moving forward now, uh, move back to New York. Uh, I got into a car accident with my car, so I couldn't 
live upstate New York anymore because mm. that's the only way to get around is a car. So I moved back to the Bronx with my grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. Crashing on her couch. So I got a job at Armani Exchange on Fifth Avenue working stock. Wow. Yeah. So that must have been really eye-opening to see the behind the scenes of a brand because you and I just spoke before that we started recording that people don't really understand what goes into the behind the scenes of making a product of a final product and how many people's hands have touched it and what the systems look like and the protocol right so that tell me about what that experience was like experiencing (laughs) that maybe for the first time well experience so my first retail job was actually Levi Strauss okay and um excuse me and i was working at the outlet as a stock supervisor and um basically i actually wanted to be be a sales rep because um i knew how to sell clothes Mm -hmm. you know but um i guess my appearance at the time wasn't really like okay let's put this guy on the sales floor you know what i'm saying like i'll be i mean i wasn't dressing tacky but i wasn't confident enough to match what was going on so i understood why they had me in the behind the scene right Right. so i'm like cool whatever i'll learn Mm -hmm. so you know i became i guess the number one stock guy for the company and i graduated to being a sales uh, associate on the sales floor which was surprising to me so um that's when i graduated high school and moved to the bronx so i actually took that experience and took it to armani exchange amazing so working at Armani Exchange, they put me as a sales uh, associate again, and um, I, I was on the men's floor, which is downstairs. And I always wanted to work on the women's floor because I felt like, oh my god, like this is where all the celebrities are, like this is where they're making that the, the money, money, you right. know? Because we had sales goals. Right. I never really met my sales goal <laughs> working right. on the men's floor, but when I got transferred to the women's floor, now that's when I started meeting my sales goal. That's when I started like paying attention to how. You know, I, I speak to women, how I sell clothes, like how how I want my ideal lady to look and what I want her to wear. So this and how is, you want her to feel. And how I want her to feel. And how old were you at this point? <clears throat> I was about uh, 18, 19. Still such point. a youngin. Yeah. That's amazing. So <laughs> I got transferred to the woman's floor. And then uh, the first day I got transferred, guess who my first client was to dress? Grace Jones. Oh my gosh, casual. Yeah. So <laughs> so so I'm like folding clothes, you know, just organizing. And my manager, Brian, goes, Hey, so Grace Jones is about to walk in. I want you to help her. I want to see what you can do. I'm like, bro, don't test me. I'm like, you're joking right now. Because Brian is just like, he's just oh, we're always like having jokes here and there, but he was serious. He wasn't mm. laughing. He's like, no, bro. He was actually like rushing, like, okay, I mean you gotta get the store prepped, blah blah blah. So Grace Jones walks in with her assistant. And I'm folding. I'm like in the corner waiting on Brian to call me. And I'm nervous. Like I feel I'm sweating, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, okay, you got this. Ooh, breathe. So Grace walks in. Oh my God, yes, darling. Amazing. Yeah, you know, she's being Grace Jones. Right. So Brian goes, hey, um, Andre, help her out. Just get a fitting room ready for her, whatever. So this is my first time actually styling a client. And I'm like, that confident enough that whatever I'm giving her, I know she's going to buy. Your first styling opportunity in your professional career yes. is on a whim, styling Grace Jones. Yes. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> right? So I'm giving her whatever she's asking for. Like we're, we're in the fitting room now and her assistant is like, look, no photos, whatever you do, like just, 
Just give her what she wants. And that's the end. It. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, bro. Okay, whatever. I'll make it work. <laughs> so I'm giving her her sizes, whatever. That's not working out. All right, I'll bring it back to the floor. Give her something else. But then I will bring something that I would feel that will look good on her, that will make her feel good based on what she's the orders that she's giving me. Mm-hmm. And it was working. Like everything I would bring out that she didn't ask for, she'd be like, oh my God, I love this. Like, how'd you know? I didn't know, but here, try it out, see how see how it works. So everything that I gave her, she would actually just exchange that for what she would take. She'd be like, wait, I like this better actually, right? So long story short, um, you know how I was like, you know, her assistant said no photos or whatever. Grace actually said, you know what? If you want a photo, we should take one. Okay. Out, out of nowhere. Like, I didn't ask her for anything. I didn't tell the assistant, like, look, can I please get a photo? I feel like she wanted this moment to be memorable for me. And for her. And for her. Because, it was a moment together. Yeah, because it's just something that she that was brought up. She literally was like, look, I think we should take a photo. I love that. And her assistant took the phone, took a photo of us in the fitting room where I was helping her in the clothes that I styled on her. So that was my call. Do you still have the photo? I do. Oh, my I'll gosh. show you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I like, that needs to be framed. Uh, yeah, That's course. a forever photo. What a moment. <sighs> so we took the photo, and I met my sales goal for the day, the first day that I was on the woman's sales floor mm. through Grace Jones. Oh, my gosh. And I had the photo and everything. What did that <clears throat> moment do for you as far as shifting your perspective, and and what did you ask yourself as far as your career? How to use the experience and utilize that because I'm so motivated right now. Grace Jones just told me that follow your dreams. Like mm. she, she basically looked me in my eyes and was like, look, bro, you see this place right here? This is just a start, you know? But me, I am the one and I'm giving you the answer. Like this is this is what you, you this is what you just gave me. And I, this is how I feel. So that should tell you like, you're ready for whatever you want to do, you're ready. So you guys actually had a, personal moment and a connection we did. We did. together we did. without a lot of words being used she basically was like look this is it i'm grace jones this is the photo that you're going to use throughout your whole career to remind yourself that it's possible mm. after that i was like okay cool done so that night i went home to my grandmother's house and um, i'm watching tv and i see a commercial pop-up for the art institute of california mm. so i'm like hmm. kids running around I need to get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get the fuck out. So there was a number on the screen, called it for the artist. So they were Mm -hmm. like, look, if you want to sign up, whatever, whatever, fill out the application. So I called the number. Nobody picked up. I I filled out an application online, but I I didn't finish filling out the application. So I get a call from the administrative uh, office. Yeah. Yeah. So they call me and go, hey, uh, we see that, you know, you – have an incomplete application we would like for you to finish so we can like show you what we can offer Mm -hmm. i'm like cool i'll do that so i finished it up the california office called me and was like hey you know if you're a student from out the country or out of state whatever whatever and um they said this is all you need so i signed up for college before that but my parents were making a little bit more than i needed them to make for me to get like the grants and like the financial aid. Right. So for me to go to college, they would have to sign up and they didn't want to, they didn't have the money to. Right. So the second time I signed up, I'm like, okay, look, this is what I have to do. I have to say that I don't know my parents. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. That's what I did. Oh my gosh. 
I don't know if you can air that out. <laughs> so yeah, so I basically said, I don't know my parents. You have to like, do what you have to do, I have to do though. I have to do. So yeah, so I said, I don't know my parents. They got deported back to Jamaica. I live with my oh grandmother, my which which I was living with. Right. But um, she couldn't really do anything. She was a retired worker. Like she couldn't pay for my school, you know, whatever. So they go, all right, well, you need letters from your grandmother you need, saying that, you know, she was taking care of you, whatever. You need a letter from your uh, school counselor. You need a letter from your dean. I wrote all three letters. Oh, my God. And I, and I sent it to them. So they said, okay, these all look good. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what? They look good? Okay, cool. They're like, yeah, these look good, but you need a letterhead from your school. So that was the only thing holding me back. Mm. <clears throat> My ex-girlfriend, her dad was the dean of the school. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So she had letterheads for days. Right. And I made her, like, rewrite what I wrote and then sent it, got approved. So I told my mom, I'm like, yo, mom, I think I got approved to go to school in California. She's like, how the hell are you going to go to – who do you know out there? Like, there's nobody out there. There's no family. We don't have anybody out there that can help you. That's fine, mom. I'm going to figure this out. Trust me. Because Grace Jones just told me. <laughs> I just had Grace Jones tell me, like, you're good. You got this. So I'm out. Oh, my gosh. And then plus, you know, I was a blogger at one point. Like, just not blog, actual blogger, but I would go on Tumblr a lot. And I would see the palm trees and the amazing art and, like, you know, the amazing stars always in Hollywood, you know. So I was like, okay, cool. Glitz and the glam. Got to be there. Mm. You know, so. Um, How many years ago was that? This was in 2012. 2012. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, so did did California, obviously, not during a during COVID, but did California fit the bill? When you arrived here, what was what was your relationship to Los Angeles? Because you're coming off of being in Chicago and New York twice. Yeah. yeah. So what did this place do for you? The first day I landed in LA, right? Um, my school gave me directions from the airport. They said, look, take a shuttle all the way to school and we'll give you your key, right? I took the wrong shuttle. I ended up on the city bus. Oh my gosh. With my New York luggage on a packed city bus, right? Coming from LAX all the way to Culver City oh, on no. a city bus. Yeah. So that was my introduction. Welcome. But <laughs> I was so happy. You know, I was just looking around like, oh my God, palm trees. That's the beach. I pull up to my door. I'm like, wait, this is a villa. What's going on? This is like a movie. Yeah, so that was my introduction. <laughs> I love it. And do you feel that LA has been good to you? Yes, LA has been really good. This is, I'm actually celebrating my 10th year in LA. Amazing. Well, in April, it'll be my 10th year in LA, which is crazy to me. I've been here for 15 and I'm like, well, how did that happen? How did that happen? How did that happen? Right? So, and I've had my brand since 2017. And that's when I realized, like, look, this is this is me. Like this is what I want to do. So there's five five year gap between you arriving here and you formally starting your brand. What did that five year gap? What was that like? Uh, hella networking. Mm. Um, just getting people to know Andre. You know what I'm saying? Like not my brand because I didn't want to just sell my brand. You know, like because I'm just another guy moving to LA from New York that has a lot of dreams, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And like, that's moving to LA to live those dreams. So I didn't want to sell that to people because I'm like, I don't want to be that other guy that you don't want around because I'm just busy selling you shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's very smart. That's very <clears throat> pr 
perceptive of yeah. you at that age. Because right? I would hate that. Like I would, I would hate when somebody would come up to me all the time and be like, "Oh, we should collab. Let's work together." Like, bro, you don't even know me. Like, you don't know what I'm working. Like, you don't know if it even fits what you're doing. But also, like, define collab. That's one of my love hate words yeah. in the oh industry. I'm like, what? Explain to me what that means yeah. to you. Well, I feel like a, coll- a collaboration with me, um, basically, when you and the other artists that you want to collab with has a lot in common mm-hmm. or like you guys are basically reaching for the same goal or if whatever you're reaching for makes sense to the both of you guys so you guys can put it together and think longevity that's what a collaboration is to me like i don't like whenever i collab with someone i want to think about the long run i don't just think about like little sense here and there just to like make this pop right now right here of like course. i think about okay in a few years from now this day we should be doing round two or round three of what we just started right that's what a successful collaboration would be you know so interesting when i hear the word collaboration i'm like do you just want free shit pretty much (laughs) you know like what does that what does that actually mean from like a business perspective i get it from a creative perspective like we can sit there and design things all day long but i'm also like like give me more yeah you know i feel like during corona i actually learned a lot about um like what what people are easily, you know, what, what they like to be sold to, you know, like, so like mm. influencers, they would reach out to us and always hit us up and ask us to collab with, with that question being asked. I feel like they just want, like you said, free shit, mm-hmm. you know, a collaboration is like you two actually coming up with an idea together. You know, it's a saying? relationship, it's a relationship. Like you, you don't like pitch me an idea and be like, look, we should collab because I have this and, you know, like, no, we have to, like, both kind of, like, be into the same thing. Totally. You know, like, the models that you're using for your jewelry brand, like, if I'm using a, sp- a similar model or similar look, or if I'm making something that fits your jewelry, yeah, let's do it. That's a collaboration because it works, and we're both aware that this will work. Not mm. might work, but, I mean, yeah, we're taking chances, but this will work because we're going to put our bread and butter in every last penny or every last breath, every last you know, uh, muscle we have into this project, mm. you know, cause this is my baby. Right. For sure. You know, like this is why I, I named my brand Andre Emery is because it's me. It's what I'm putting in based off of my experience, based off of how I want to see things based off of how I perceive things right. based off of what I'm getting back. You know what I'm saying? So right. like, I don't think it's a selfish thing, but I mean, I just feel like, I mean, you have nothing and nobody else to blame, but yourself you know, as, as you're growing. So I think it's interesting that we're having this conversation because you and I both have eponymous brands, but you sought out with intention to name your brand after yourself. That kind of happened to me by happenstance because I couldn't figure out an alias name yes. that fit me that didn't oh, have a timestamp. I time totally stamp. understand what you so mean. So I, I couldn't be like Jules by no. Mayor. So I was like, oh, I'll just do Marin Costello and then I'll do a DBA later. It's you though. Like, that's all you know. But it makes sense now. Yeah, right. So where did you get that gumption to say, no, I am going to name this just, after just myself? Just being confident. Like, where does that come from? Just working or just being in the same room with someone who you always looked up to. Grace Jones. Yeah. <laughs> it came from Grace Jones. Yeah. Dude, okay. So I'm a- That was such a pivotal moment for you. Oh, my God. And then mm. after Grace, the next moment that I had with 
um, another celebrity made me feel even more confident. I'm like, oh snap, Rihanna, like, mm. or like, oh snap, Lil Not, like, you know, it's just like a lot of situations that happen. You know, I might be listening to a song, you know, that Beyonce made or whatever. Beyonce's on the radio, you know, and t- that day I might be like, yo, bro, I feel like this outfit right here would look really good on Beyonce. Mm. Who's styling her? Who do I know that might know her? You know, like, let's make it happen. I want to get into that because you are probably one of the most spectacular networkers and connectors that I have ever met. And I know this from personal experience because from the moment that we met, it was like this super easy, fluid relationship. We were were able to support each other from all angles, whatever we need. We were obviously connected. Organically. Organically. Connected through a mutual friend. So there was that vetting process. But I'm curious to know... Because I think that my networking skills are a little bit nature and a little bit nurture. Where do your networking skills come from? Because you are so impressed. It is such an impressive quality that you Thank have. You. Well, I just feel like I was put into the battlefield without knowing who I'm up against. Mm. You know, and that's just me moving to L.A. not knowing what I'm actually getting myself into. But just being as confident knowing that I have no choice but to survive. Right. So um, networking in L.A. and just meeting people, you know, down to me. Um, having to uh, host parties with promoters that I that I know that I knew in the past. I mean, some of them will ask me to to help them promote because I'm in a different game and it might help them. So um, mm. sometimes I'll be you know at the club, you know, helping them and just meeting people with money, meeting celebrities, meeting stylists, meeting models at the club. Or like at an after party and then doing business after that. Like I had to, you know, do things, you know, working at Armani Exchange, like being a stock guy, uh, being a host at a party. It's just different, different avenues, different lanes I have to take to get to where I'm at in order to build that confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you when you talk about the concept of of creating a piece and then going, oh, this would look great on a particular celebrity. What does that networking and reach out process look like for you? Like, especially during COVID, because, you know, there are so many constraints. So how has your networking, your networking changed during this time Um, to make things happen? So basically, I'm more of the go out and get it yourself kind of guy, Mm. you know. Um, But I guess during COVID, I actually sat back and had a lot of time to reach out to people via emails via the internet um so i just feel like right now i'm just kind of like more into that like i have more leeway of like doing my research like okay like with a beyonce situation or whatever artist that i have dreams of styling or designing for i i'm not going to reach out to them they're busy they're doing their thing but just know that there's people that work with them for them that that's easy for you to reach out to, you know? So I feel like just having that confidence in knowing that your shit is dope enough for them to put it on their client. You need to have that confidence because I mean, sometimes you might not know the artist, but you, you kind of can tell like this artist is in need. Like mm. this artist needs this piece. Cause I see what they're trying to do, but I'm someone who they can use and actually execute that. Right. You know? So like if I see someone doing something that I took, I understand the reference that they used, 
you know, like they probably use like a Dolly reference or like a Clint Eastwood or Grace Jones reference in this new music video, right? But they shopped the item. Like, you know, it's probably a costume or something, but I know that I can make this better, 10 times better, you know, with us just being in one room talking about this. So that's a relationship I like to build with people, just knowing that like, look, I can make it happen with a simple conversation with a good relationship and then let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. What does your team look like? Because I, I want people to know that you, there are so many different facets to your brand and to your business. Yeah. I mean, you are a true creative. You're a fashion designer. You're a stylist. You kind of do all the things when it comes to your like creative house name brand. Yeah. What does that look like on the back end? I mean, it isn't simple as people seem it is, seems it is, you know? So, um, I mean, right now I have a small team. We're killing it. Uh, it's me, my girlfriend. She helps me out. Uh, she helps me out a lot with being organized and, you know, just keeping that creative juice going whenever I'm down, you mm-hmm. know, because I mean, we always have our down times, but we always need someone to like uplift us, whether it's someone or something, you know? So I feel like she's a really good support system. My mom, my dad, my friends, you know, um, yourself as well you know <laughs> so just just me being on your show i mean it's it's huge for me it's just like okay you, you support me we work together but you also want to get to know me more as well you know well so i think there's we can... something to be said about when you are driving the ship you are oftentimes celebrating everybody else and it's not necessarily the reciprocal of that like so I wanted, I would like to take my, as many opportunities as I can to celebrate people that I know right. are doing so much for other people. And that's how I feel about you genuinely is that the people that you've connected me to and just the projects that you've brought me in on, I'm like, I'm so grateful, but also I'm like, who is this wonderful human in my life to get to know him, you know? Um are you self-funded or are you, do you have partners in the business? Well, I am self-funded. Um, so basically I started the brand in 2017 and I met, I had an investor at first <clears throat> in 2017. That was a crazy fun ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that was our first time actually, you know, getting into that venture of, you know, cause he's a tech guy. He was a tech guy. Like right. he actually made eHarmony. Wow. Yeah. So he did. He he had nothing to do with fashion. Like I actually had to help his fashion senses and make that happen for him. But um. So yeah. So in 2017, we had an investor. Uh, 2018, we were still friends, but he wanted to venture off into different things. Like he was like, "Look, fashion is too a little too slow for me. Plus, this is like me just starting a brand, and I didn't really have the connection that I have now. Right. You know. So uh. Yeah, so it was so I had help in 2017, but from 2018 till now, it's just self funding. Wow. Yeah, so that's just like me, you know, just just basically keeping my clientele satisfied. Mm. You know, just like just, just like paying attention to the longevity of our relationship, not just looking at it like you know, just they're my client, but you know, just having great friends involved and just like. You know, having people believe in you. Right. Would you recommend being self-funded or getting an investor? Knowing what you know now. 
knowing what I know now, I would definitely love to have an investor. Okay. But I don't mind self-funding either because I also want my potential investor to see the work that I've put in, you know. So if I do ever ask for something, they know that it's going to go beyond, right. you know, what I'm selling them. So I want them to see, like, what I can do on my own first. Totally. I want to talk about the circle back moment for you of showing at New York Fashion Week because you were raised in New York. Yeah. Oh, God. And then you moved out to L.A. And then you went back to New York to showcase your your brand Tell me about that experience and how that came to be and what that did for you as as a creative. So basically, that was huge. That was a huge moment in my life, honestly. So uh, the first show I had was in New York at the uh, – I'll come back to that. But mm-hmm. it was an amazing this, – this spot was like in all the movies that I used to watch. Like it's, it's the Cipriani. Mm. The Cipriani. It's, it's huge. So um, I got hit up one day to do a show um, from Style Style Fashion Week. Yeah, Style Fashion Week. They emailed me like, hey, um, we would like for you to be in a... Oh, sorry. Let me rewind. So they actually hit me up in LA to do a show at the uh, at this really nice venue in LA. And um, I had no money. I had no funding or anything. So they were selling me packages. Mm. And I'm like, wait, why are you asking me to be in a show and you're selling me packages? Like... That's this, I don't know, but it's not going to work. Right. I'm sorry, because I'm self-funded right now. Right. And I can't pay you $3,000 to show. When was this? What year was this? Do you remember? Um, this was, I want to say, 20, 2017. 2017. Yeah, 2017, 2018, around then. Um, this is this at the Pacific Design Center. Mm. Place is huge, mm-hmm. right? So um, my friend Chelsea gets me up and goes, hey, so... Uh, you know, I know that you're working on your line right now. Uh, there's this fashion designer that from London that was supposed to show in LA Fashion Week, but they can't show anymore. So do you want to fill this spot? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I don't have anything ready right now, but I'm down. What was the timeline between when you got the call and when you needed to Two show? Two weeks. <laughs> How many looks? 30. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have to tell you about this experience. Yeah. So this is like, okay, so I get the call three weeks into the show, right? Two weeks into the show, I know that I'm actually doing the show. And I probably only have like five pieces ready, right? So I'm freaking out. It's up to the point where I had to move in my seamstress. Literally. I had to move in my seamstress. There was no other option. I'm like, bro, you can crash on my couch. Like, but I need you here. You can't leave. I have my first fashion show coming up. Like, you cannot leave. And Mm. I can't really pay you a lot. But I got this big-ass loft, and it has a lot of room. And all your machines at your studio, you bring them bitches here. So he had, like, eight eight huge industrial machines. And I had, like, a 14,000-square-foot loft in downtown L.A. His name is Antonio. I love this guy. So, Do you he, still work with him? No, I don't. Uh, he's, he's, he's around, but I, I don't work with him anymore. But um, so he brought all eight machines. You know, we set it up. So whenever you walk into my, my spot, it looks like... A studio mm-hmm. you know so um yeah so chelsea's like look so you just need 20 to 30 pieces that's it that's it <laughs> in my head i'm like I can, I can hardly pay rent here but also there's not even a day per look no. you have to crank out like two to three looks per day oh we were cranking out like five looks per day there was oh no gosh. sleep for us 
and I had models at the house at the at the spot. It's like every day doing fittings, like you know, five miles at a time, just like showing us how they walk, how the dress would look. Cause this is my first show. This is like the introduction to Andre Emery. This is what I've been working hard for. Had you before this moment like created your business, had your brand? Did you have a platform already, or this was the the introduction I had to a, everything? I had a little. I had a platform, you know, like I had Chris Brown wearing my stuff, like, you know, but I didn't really have pieces that were hitting. Mm. Like I didn't have iconic pieces. Like I think, yeah, people would say that those pieces were iconic, but I knew that I had. There was more. There was more to come. So much more. And I didn't have the, the funds or like the time to show people, you know? So, so when I got this opportunity, I'm like, bet I got to do this. I got to show out. And I had to explain that to Antonio, like, yo, bro, I love you, bro, but, like, I need your help. Mm. We, we can both use our help, each other's help, right? right? So move them in. We cranked out uh, maybe, like, 30 looks in about a week and a half. Had all the models, had had uh, style fashion people at the loft interviewing me and all this stuff. Meanwhile, getting ready for the show, a big show. And I'm freaking out, low key. So fast. So long story short, uh, fast forwarding, I killed the show. Duh. You know, I, I got but also a really great duh. response. Yeah, <laughs> really got a really great response. Um, had like you know the the top tier uh, influencers on my runway. You know, like it was a lot of shit that happened. I was like, wait, I don't even know how I nailed this, but it happened, right? Mm. Moving forward, now I found out that I sold three thousand tickets. Shut up. But not me, but the people who booked me, I sold them three. I got three. I made three. You pulled 3,000 yeah, tickets. Yeah. Casual. Casual. Careful. And, and what did I get out of it? Exposure. Sure. You know, sure. whatever. Sure. I wasn't tripping. But then, you know, I kind of wanted to end that because I'm like, look, you guys made money. I didn't get any money, but they hit me with the yo, but people have to spend money to actually be in our show. So I'm like, okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Fair. So a few months passed and they hit me up again. They're like, hey, so we just got the Cipriani in New York and we would love for you to show. What? The Cipriani, New York? I get to go back home? How much you want? Nothing. Just bring your A game. Mm, I just got chills. Just bring your A game like you did before. Mm. Done. Easy. Dad, what's up? Uh... So you remember the Cipriani? <laughs> yeah, I worked down the street. Yeah, so I have a show on this date. Yeah, right. No, seriously, I'll send you the link. So I send them the link. My mom is like, my name on a huge flyer, Cipriani, this date, boom. Movie. Movie. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So I'm phoning all my friends and family, telling them, like, yo, I got a show in New York. I'm posting on Instagram. People are like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Sold out tickets now. Tickets are sold out. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, mm. like, this is this is crazy. Like, I've never really thought that this would happen now, but it's happening. Was that the show that you pulled my jewelry for? No, uh, that was... I was going to say, you've shown multiple times. But that times. was in New York, though. Yeah, I you've had, shown... I had two shows in New York. You're a veteran now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. So, that New York show was crazy. That actually ended up in the New York Times. Incredible. Yeah. Like, I Googled myself after that, and New York Times popped up. I was like, what the hell? Mm. They were like, yeah, so this uh, designer, Andre Emery, put 
triplets on the runway, but gave them different looks. He's different because other designers would have put them all in the same look because they're triplets, but he changed the game. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay. You're like, I didn't realize it did that, but love I that really, for me. Yeah, love that for me, though. Great. <laughs> New York Times, amazing. So, yeah, so that was my New York experience. And then um, a few years after that, I had a, my last show was in New York as well at the Sony Hall. Mm. So these are places that I actually watched as a little kid. Like, oh, my God. Um, this show was at the Sony Hall. Oh my God, this movie was shot at the Cipriani. Oh my mm. God, I'm I'm in these I'm in this environment now. So like, did you feel in those moments that you like arrived and delivered? Like, did you feel like, oh, this is like I am someone? Uh, honestly, like I always have high expectations for myself, mm. and I'm always humble. So like, I never had that feeling like I made it. It was always like, okay, I'm getting closer. You know, because I always expect to do better, to get to higher reaches in life. I pull from both directions, too. It's like, I know that I'm the best, but I also know that I'm no one. Yeah. Right? So I think it's like the the meeting of the two. Exactly. Yeah. So I see it as, okay, look, if people are watching, if if I get these opportunities, then I need to go harder. Mm. Because this, this can get somewhere, like, more epic than what it is now. This is just the this is just the beginning. Imagine how like what else is there to you know? Come. Well, you mentioned you're so competitive. Do you find that you're competitive with other people, or is it more of a competition with yourself? It's a competition with myself. Yeah, yeah. I try like being competitive with other people. It just burns you out sometimes. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's just like what do you like? You're probably up to the point where it's just like what are we even competing about? Like totally. Like what? Like what? Like we're probably not even in the same game. Like why are we competing? Like. You drive me to do better. Right. And that's what it is. I drive you to do better. So why are we in competition? Like, no, let's just get together and make it happen. If you want to be in competition, bro, then, I mean, hey, the competition that I see is motivation. And I feel like that's competition between other people. You know, it's just like motivation. You know, so that's how I see it. And I'm I'm competitive with myself. Of course, I see other people that are doing better, and I see the potential. Sure. But we don't know their story. We don't know how they got there. I know how I got here. I know how I got to the Cipriani. I know how I got to Grace. I know how I got to all the things that I've accomplished, you know? So I don't want to be in competition with nobody else because I don't know their story. Totally. You know, totally. so, yeah. I wish that people could be here in your presence and kind of feel your energy because it's very grounded and it's very confident and it's very calming. So I'm curious as to what does your daily routine slash self-care look like? Like, how do you stay so grounded grounded (laughs) and namaste? Um, What's the secret sauce for you? And I'm sure it's a journey, but what does that look like for you? Just knowing that there's way more to what's being offered i mean Mm. like i don't ever like a handout you know i've seen a lot of people take you know the easy way out or easy way in but i'm all about the journey Mm. you know and that's you like to earn it i like to earn it Mm. i like to work hard for it you know like if it's giving to me so easy then i can lose it that easy you know because that's what i experience in life like you know so i want to work hard for whatever i believe in and I want the people that work with me to believe in my dream and also to understand my journey and why I'm the way I am, you know? Mm. So I feel like that's that's kind of like the, it's not a problem, but like, I feel like social media now is just like, you know, people are just painting these pictures and it's just like, that's not who I am. But if you, if you heard or if you know my journey, you would understand more. 
That is why so, we're here. <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't look for like, I don't post just to like get confidence to like build me up to do more. Like I post so people can actually see like this guy is actually talented. Like he actually makes his own clothes. Like he actually knows how to drape. Like he's actually just hanging out and just being a normal kid. But he also has Lil Nas at the Super Bowl. Let's talk about that because that was a happenstance moment for you. Um, How did you get in contact with Lil Nas initially? Because we collaborated on that. Yes, we did. We killed that. That That was amazing. That was like a, (laughs) that was was a come to Jesus moment for me. Oh my God. Yeah, it was. It's funny because, okay, so uh, I actually got hit up by a stylist, Hodu. She's amazing. Uh, We worked together on a few projects before she became Lil Nas' stylist. Um, so, and that's a relationship that I was talking to you about. I'm like, I build with people based off of relationships. Like if, I'm pretty sure if I sold her all my fashion, like all my ideas, she'd be like, Oh, I don't know if I want to work with this guy, but it was so genuine. Our relationship, like we can talk about just the game Anything. and how stressed we were, mm-hmm. you know? So like when she got the opportunity to style Lil Nas, she, I was probably the first designer she hit up. So, um, she requested what she requested and we made it happen. And, um, so I, I don't know if she knows what they're shooting for. I'm not sure if like the manager just sends her dates and like, you know, just get outfits for these dates, you know, but she didn't tell me that it was for the Super Bowl. And she didn't tell me that it was for whatever commercial it was for. You know, she just said, look, this is what I, this is what I want. This is a look this for is, Lil Nas. Yeah. And we need you to execute on this look with no information. No. Cool. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'll do it. This is what I need from you, and this, and I'll deliver. Boom! It happened. Never spoke about it again. How how long ago was that? This, this I made the outfits for Lil Nas. I want to say like uh, mid last month. Yeah. Okay, so mid January. Mid January. Yeah. So um, we 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 made him uh, two silk pajama sets with a few tops to go with it and a few bottoms to go like pants. And it, I don't ask questions. I'm just like, look, I know this is going to look amazing on him. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing the swatch colors for you, the fabric, everything. I know that on his skin tone, on, on, on the, on the truck that he might drive in his video. I know that the silk might, you know, drape in the wind. Like I'm, I'm giving them, I'm painting the picture that I have in my head to them. So they're like, Oh shit, you get it cool yeah i'm gonna leave it all up to you then great you know so they do that i do my job give it back to them and then i just see it on tv or like on the internet just like this music video sometimes people would just tag me like bro ain't this yours like she wouldn't hit me up she wouldn't tell me like yo it's on super bowl because she's busy doing other things so you make this outfit for lil nas you send it to his stylist hoda yeah and then that's it and at what point do you get informed that not only is this piece that you've made for him on television, but it's on television during the commercial break of the Super Bowl. Oh my God. I have to tell you my Super Bowl story though. (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) Okay. So when I first moved to LA, right, I was staying on on campus and uh, there's this guy who moved into my dorm. His name was Gary. And uh, you know, he wasn't working, you know, he had to pay bills just like I did, but I was working retail job at BCBG 
as a stock guy, right? And then Gary wasn't working, but he was like a computer tech, a nerd, whatever. So he would go on Craigslist to look for his jobs, like just to get, you know, a little side money. So one of the gigs that was on Craigslist was a study group, mm. right? So he goes, bro, I'm at work at BCBJ. He goes, bro, uh, it's, if you come to the study group, they give you $100 as soon as you step in the door. I'm like, sold. I'm like, okay, but I couldn't move. I couldn't, I couldn't leave my job at the time. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm like, all right, cool. Tell me how it is when we, when we get home tonight. So he goes and um, long story short, it, it ends up being a vitamin, uh, a vitamin water commercial that ended up showing at the Super Bowl. Oh my gosh. And he didn't know that it was going to show at the Super Bowl. So, so he's on a Super Bowl commercial? Yeah. Oh for vitamin my water. gosh. When he first moved from Delaware. For yeah, 100 bucks. For 100 bucks. <laughs> but every time it would, it, it'll play, he would uh, make money. But mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, he was on a Super Bowl commercial. Insane. So people were just reposting. Oh, my God. Gary's doing really good in LA. Oh, my God. As soon as you got there, you're a star now. In my head, I'm like, God damn. I've been here for like two years now. <laughs> and I'm like over here working my ass off. And you're on Super Bowl commercials. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> I need to figure this out. So fast forward. Now I got a little Nas wearing my shit at the Super Bowl. Similar story where you didn't realize story. that it was going to be for that particular opportunity. Exactly. And yeah, what a moment. It's crazy. What so, um, yeah, I actually want to talk to Gary about that. Like, bro, remember when I'm like, yo, I was like, yo, I want to be on the Super Bowl screen, you know, with it, with like a celebrity wearing my shit, you know, because like he's probably the only person I had that conversation with. I love it when moments come all for full circle. Yeah. It's so good. So, like, I, I told my girlfriend yesterday, I was like, yo, it's so crazy because I had this conversation with a friend like when he was on Super Bowl like his face was on the screen but he didn't know that that was going to happen like that wasn't his dream to be to become like a background or like you know someone on TV so you know when that happened for me I was like oh shit that is crazy that's amazing yeah so what is next for Andre Emery the person and the brand uh how can we celebrate you well you can celebrate me by going on my website love that <laughs> stopping with Andre Emery and uh, I'm, I'm getting more into home goods. Um, so you'll see a lot of that on my online store. Um, uh, what else? I'm working. I also, I'm working on this consulting company. Amazing. Yeah. I don't want to speak too much on that now, but that's just in the works. Teaser. Yeah, just a little teaser. A little teaser. Um, and then I have a lot of artists that I'm working with. Caliucci. Mm. has something coming out cool something cool coming out soon um and yeah just a lot of updates on the website and just uh staying in contact with me through social media and i'll keep you guys posted so we can find you andreemery.com and andre emery official official on instagram. on instagram yes amazing well i just have to thank you so much because it has been such a pleasure watching your journey but also being part of it and i'm so grateful to be on the receiving end of how you celebrate the people in your life and i'm just so i'm so pumped to share your story with the world thank you and i'm pumped too for the world to hear it i know (laughs) thank you so much for being here thank you guys Oh my goodness, what an incredible interview with Andre Emery, fashion and designer extraordinaire. If you love this show as much as we do, be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast and the broadcast. Thank you for tuning in to Marin Costello Radio. See you next week.
It's you Us against the world It's you Forget the mother girls It's you Nobody but you Yeah It's you Us against the world It's you Forget the mother girls It's you Nobody but you you